it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. And his Cantor Freedom will be with us shortly. Uh, and it was featured in a, a great special on Fox News last night, The Price and Splendor of Freedom. He talks about coming here, what he was like growing up, the fact that he's a He's alienated from his family, and the other thing would be they're trying to kill him. If he leaves the country, he'll be killed. And then he loses his NBA career because he put on his sneakers, free Tibet, put on his sneakers things like free the Uyghurs. They're being tortured and genocide. They banned the Celtics from being seen in China, and then they banned him from the Celtics. And now life moves on, but he is moving on too. He's going to tell his story with us. And we'll take your calls. He appreciates being in America, which is rare these days. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think we should pay the bills and then negotiate. And we should negotiate on deficit reduction. The last person to leave a surplus was Bill Clinton. Let's repeal the Trump tax cuts. Let's repeal some of the Bush tax cuts for the very wealthy. Yeah, the Bush tax cuts. All right, so he... A couple of things. Corporate tax rates make us more competitive internationally. Last month, last time, 1% came off the top with Trump. The rest of the stuff cuts were from middle and below. Roe Kahana, another bank collapse, debt ceiling deadlock, and radio silence from the White House. No deal, making no reassurance, uh, no reassurance for any of the markets. Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy did what Dems said was not possible. They got the whole caucus and the House to agree to pass something that would be in exchange for raising the debt, the, the debt ceiling. Now your move, Mr. President, you have to do something. Number two. I am declaring a state of emergency in our community. And the reason why we're declaring a state of emergency is to make sure that we can stand up and be prepared for May 11th, May 12th, to uh, have public shelter and public housing. Uh, that is Mayor of El Paso, Oscar Lesser. Catastrophe brewing at the border and real concern the whole border may buckle and break as Title 42 about to evaporate and expire. 20,000 plus await right in the El Paso area to surge. The literal border might not even exist if this doesn't happen. And the ugly story and a manhunt that's on for the illegal immigrant five times deported who went and killed in family that were complaining about him shooting in his backyard. Number one. I think Joe Biden is agile, is capable. His record of leadership, both at home and abroad, makes him eminently qualified. And we should be focusing some on the wisdom and experience he brings to the job. Yeah, that is Senator Chris Coons. What person is he talking about? Believe it or not, he's talking about the president. Dems try and put Joe's age and re-election concerns to rest as Trump rides a commanding lead on the right. DeSantis returns home to a big war chest and a plethora of personal attacks. Plus, it was all of a it was all a subject of Joe's jokes at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which uh, some of the stuff seemed pretty funny. But you just wonder if he's going to continue to joke about the fact that he doesn't really do his job or do interviews. That's the only thing that's underneath it is serious stuff. You know, I understand he was serious when it comes to 
uh, reporters that have been kept against their will. I get it. But I don't feel assuaged at all. Neither does the American public that age doesn't matter when it comes to this president. A poll, an ABC poll, 70% of Americans don't want him to run. That includes 51% of Democrats. And age, uh, age is the, the reason, 48%. The other is just bad policies. Still, head-to-head with Trump, on the average, he beats Trump by 1.4%. On the economy, 35% approval. That's really what I hope we focus on. The economy, turning things around, making us more competitive, getting our fiscal house in order. That would be the key. But for Bernie Sanders, he thinks Joe's going to win in a landslide. Cut three. I think the choice is pretty clear, and that choice is Biden. And second of all, what I do believe is the Democrats and the president have got to be stronger on working class issues. They've got to make it clear that we believe in a government that represents all, not just the few. Take on the greed of the insurance companies, the drug companies, Wall Street, all the big money interest, and start delivering for working class people. You do that, I think Biden is going to win in a landslide. Well, he's not doing that. He's not doing anything like that. He's not doing anything, really. Uh, for the most part, he's got staff making making all decisions, which kind of bothers me because you elect somebody, you think they're going to actually do the job. No one could say that Donald Trump didn't do the job. No one could say, really, that Barack Obama wasn't doing the job. You couldn't say Bill Clinton didn't do the job. And George W. Bush, you read his book, made all those decisions in collaboration. But the people that got elected in collaboration, what do you care about? Major problem, for example, in schools. Number one is your economy, according to every poll. Major problem with schools. Schools is three or four. Believe it or not, book banning is the number one thing that people are most concerned about. Number two is too much focus on race, 49%. Parents, not enough safe, 48%. Transgender, 48%. But the book banning has got to be defined by Ron DeSantis, and here's why. He's not banning books. What he's doing is saying there should be certain limitations for elementary school libraries that they shouldn't have sexual explicit uh, material. They shouldn't be telling you you can pick your gender. That's the banning of books, focusing on the stories that have kids learning. But there's a legitimate concern about the president. Martha Raddatz went out to colleges in Pennsylvania and neighboring areas just to talk to people about Biden. And it didn't sound good. Listen to this. Cut four. You voted for Biden. I did. He announced this week. What was your reaction? Regret, disappointment, frustration. While it's very early in the race, that disappointment and frustration was expressed again and again by young voters we talked to. I think I would go for Biden, but obviously I would prefer a fresher candidate. He announced this week. Were you excited by that? Uh, not particularly. I'm more interested in a progressive candidate. What do you like about Joe Biden? Um, uh, that he's not Trump. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, if you watch this, if you watch the people poll there, that was it. They, they it's only because he's not Trump, but it doesn't mean that Trump's not going to beat him head to head. Now, Trump's got a, uh, doing well. Look, take a look at this poll. Now, over the last, I guess, three months, even though he had an indictment handed down, he got a rape trial taking place right now. He's not attending, but they're talking about it. Looks like Joe Tagapina not doing well, trying to rip apart this accuser's credibility. But Trump was at 43 percent among Republicans in February. In March, it went to 54. In April, it's now at 53. DeSantis was at 28. It went from 28 in February to 24 in March to 21 in April. Haley's between 6 and 7. And and, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy moving up. 
But DeSantis can still very much win. He's not even in. Comes back after an international uh, international tour, and let's see what he can put together. He has not really. He has not started fighting. The one thing people are critical of him is taking on Disney, but that's part of it because he took on Disney. These corporate these corporate weighings in on uh, on different political issues have virtually stopped because of him. In terms of how you beat Trump, listen to what Karl Rove said, cut 11. Well, first they need to articulate a vision that says, I am changed and I'm new and different. Uh, I've been a successful governor or successful senator. I've been a successful leader in private sector. And I've got a vision for the future that causes you to say, you know what, that sounds good. Second of all, they've got to deal with with President Trump. They've got to say, you know what, you did a lot of good things, but you got baggage. You got baggage in the fact that you've been indicted for things. You may be indicted for more things, that you're a controversial figure, and that you failed to do things. You know, you said you'd build the wall. Well, when you came into office, here's how, how long the wall was. When you left office, it wasn't much longer. You said you'd take on China and you'd get this, you proclaimed that you got this fantastic treaty with China to buy a bunch of our American agricultural products, and it didn't happen. You did nothing to attack China on, on the issue of, of uh, stealing our intellectual property, of stealing our ideas and manufacturing processes and science and technology. You didn't do anything about that. So I appreciate the good things you did, but frankly, we need new leadership that's actually going to get things done, and I've got to demonstrate record in doing that. They're not going to be able to tiptoe around them. They've got to deal with them head on. And they've got to say, you know, the American people want more than a rerun of 2020, which is exactly where the American people are. See, as ver- I would say this on Karl Rove and very few times that I disagree with him. I think going after Trump on the wall, draining the swamp and on China is a dead end because everybody know he did everything possible to get that wall built, and then he ended up repurposing defense fund and rebuilding, refurbishing, getting total 450 miles. He had, if he had one more term, he would have done it. But the Republican Congress gave him $1.4 bill, million, billion three straight times. That's not going to do it. You need 10 to $15 billion. I don't know why. That was the giveaway in order to finance defense. And everybody knows he was doing his best to do the swamp, but he was a one-man machine. And he was the beginning of a trade deal with China before they poisoned the world with the pandemic. So that's a Democratic argument against Trump. That doesn't work. I think with Trump, you talk about the different policies you would have. I don't think you criticize much of what he did. You have a different foreign policy if you're Nikki Haley, a different foreign policy, I thought, if you were on DeSantis and Governor Sununu. I think he emphasized that. And I think domestically, if you think he spent too much prior to the pandemic, then to then say where are you going to do it? But I think just saying you spent too much. I I remember the four years. You you know what he tried to do. You got to you got to get Congress to support. And when he had the House and Senate, he wasn't getting it from Mitch McConnell, and Paul Ryan was not delivering more than one point four billion. And he says he couldn't get any more because the Democrats are so dug in that Trump will not walk away with his number one promise. And that's the wall. So they gave in on that and they thought they'd eventually get it. Trump got tired of got tired of waiting. So I don't think that's a strong argument. But I think you have to argue it. I think you have to say what your area is and get out there and don't be afraid. And I don't think that Ron DeSantis has a choice. He's got to get in there quick. He's got $110 million raised. Trump raised just 51. So that's his good news. When we come back, I'll take your calls. Also, if you want to write me, BrianKillMe.com. Uh, you just click on uh, comments and it'll come right to me. Also, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. The call. So glad you're here, Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Criminals are empowered right now. Law enforcement, we just can't do what's necessary to protect the American people. And any time that this administration sends out the clear message that just the act of being in the country illegally is not enough to be deported from the United States, that empowers them even more. It emboldens them. It allows them to think that they are above the law. And that's what we saw in this particular case. This is a case that never should have happened. We shouldn't have had this person in the United States in the first place. If we would have done our jobs, if we would have done a better job, this person would not be here and these these deaths would not have have occurred and what they're talking about is the shooting death that took place over the weekend this killer and the rewards at eighty thousand dollars was shooting his gun in the backyard evidently he does it all the time so the people next door the couple can next door have little kids and they said listen can you shoot somewhere else we're hearing this gunshots go on all day and we'd like you to stop and plus we're getting very nervous the kids are getting very nervous so he basically said no he said all right i'm gonna have to call the cops At that time, the guy stood on his porch with a loaded rifle as if he was going to shoot the cops. Then he decides to go next door. As they go next door, the the wife walks out and says, you won't shoot me. You guys stay inside. You won't shoot a woman. He shoots the woman and shoots the kid, tries to shoot the husband, kills five people. Turns out he has been back and forth across our border five separate times. And there's a manhunt out for this guy, Francisco Orepesa, Orepesa. 38 years old, among the people dead, an 8-year-old boy in Cleveland, Texas. So this is a part of the story that no other network's reporting, that he's here illegally. He doesn't belong here. No deportation. Know what they're saying? Guns are a problem. Guns are a problem. So the FBI field office is releasing pictures of the guy. He's got a definitive tattoo. My sense is he's out of the country already. Here's uh, Here's an example of how the rest of the media is covering this. Cut 14. We're going to begin with that massive manhunt after yet another mass shooting in this country, another mass shooting with a semi-automatic weapon. Police say that a man in Cleveland, Texas, killed five of his neighbors Friday night after being asked to stop firing his weapon in his front yard because the baby next door was trying to sleep. They say the suspect, 38-year-old Francisco Oropesa, is armed and considered very dangerous. He could be anywhere. Janet Shamlian is outside the sheriff's office with the latest on all this. Janet, I don't know what's wrong with this country. Good morning. It's happened again, Tony. Here we are again in the United States. There is a manhunt underway in Texas for a suspect accused of killing five of his neighbors. So you get it. I mean, they just don't see it. They see it's the gun. They want that story. I mean, they're not even interested in the trans shooter uh, that shot up everybody in Nashville. They're saying we got to ban guns and some 20-year-old decides to get a bull and go to the uh, the state house floor and he becomes the story. What's the story? What's, what, what warped, sicko mind goes out there and plots and plans to kill children and finds the one private school that goes in there and perpetrates it? Why we've got the manifesto? But no one even talks about that because they don't want the trans issue and the drugs and the hormones to play a role in that. And the fact that this guy was able to get seven guns. Woman. 
John, listening on WDBQ over in du- Du Bois, uh, Iowa. How are you doing? Hey, John. Yeah, it's Dubuque, by the way. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Hey, uh, I've been listening to uh, what was going on, what's been going on in uh, in in Washington D.C. And I think right right now, I already know who the people that I'm not going to vote for. And one of them uh, is the president. Uh, he made a challenge in his, his State of the Union address to check records to see what a wonderful job he's done. So I did that. And I checked my gas bill <laughs> from January of 2021, which is the first month of his presidency, and compared it to my January 2023 gas bill, which are both on budget pay since my wife and I are both in our uh, 80s and re- you know on a fixed income and find out that my gas bill has increased over 150%. Yeah, John, nobody talks about that. I'm so glad you brought it up. People talk about what's at the pump. What about the gas? What about the natural gas going to your house? What about it's unbelievable what's happened. That affects everybody's paycheck. More people have worked all their lives to to have a home to live in like we did as a retired people or the low and middle income people who are out there busting their butts every day trying to make a living for their families and have something like this happen, which just increases the, the cost of their living on stuff that's necessary, heat, food, and hot water. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it. And I'm going to add something else to this. You have those heating costs going up, the inflation that's still present. You have these surrogates talking about Joe Biden bringing inflation down 40%. It was at 9%. Now it's at 5%. It was at 1.4% when Donald Trump was president, when Barack Obama was president, when Bill Clinton and George Bush were president. So you jack it up, you cut it in half, and you want credit for a 40% decrease? Under what under what country is this about? And what is really maddening is this mortgage program that he's jamming down our throats. If you are worked hard to have good credit, make your payments on time or not uh, charge a credit, overcharge a credit card because you want to make sure your credit remains sterling to get that mortgage in order to save your 15 percent to get that house. You're going to have to pay a fee on top of that. Those with great credit ratings and unable to put down enough down payment will be paying a fee to help those with bad credit who can't afford a down payment. That's socialism. I all know we know about taxes. We know about fees. But you are directly punishing people for doing the right thing. If that doesn't get you unelected, I don't know what is. When we come back, we talk about freedom in America, appreciation for this nation, and his cantor freedoms here, what he sacrificed, what he did, his new Fox Nation special. And we'll talk a little basketball, too. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. His horizons were bigger than just being a basketball player. You know, you got to talk about him as a human being who is not afraid to tell the truth, to stand his ground, to put a line in the sand and saying, I'm not caring about what I'm giving up. I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to be the right guy and I'm going to say the right things and tell you what I truly believe. That's who he is. He's always been that. He's been through a lot of stuff now, and he's weathered all storms. And I get he's not happy with 
how this is ending, and I'm not happy for him either, but in the same light, I'm so proud of what he's become and who he's become. John Calipari recruited uh, Ennis Cantor to Kentucky because of some issues back in uh, uh, Turkey with where he got paid when he was 16. They had problems with eligibility with the NCAAs, but he finished the season. They became friends. And John Calipari, one of the people speaking on the Fox News special, Fox Nation special that was on last night on Fox News, The Price and Splendor of Freedom, longer version on Fox Nation now. And with me in studio, Ennis Cantor Freedom. Ennis, welcome. Thank you for having me again. This is the first show you were on at Fox, wasn't it? Yes, I was. You yeah. remember? I do remember well, that. Now, what do you, you, had, a, you had a soccer uh, soccer ball here. I still have it. You still have it? I still okay. have I still, it. I still remember. Because you did play soccer, right? Yes, I did play soccer. I love soccer. Yeah, and they just said, you know, Ennis Cantor it wants to come up, can do the show. I go, that's great. And well, you weren't with the Knicks at the time, were you? Uh, you had been traded. Actually, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Where, where were you? It was before Portland. the Celtics. You were in Portland. Portland, yeah, it was yeah. Portland. Yeah. Did you like your time over there? Portland? I actually do. I mean, it was a very peaceful, obviously, uh, city. Not that, you know, not a lot of press. No, not a lot of press. It's very, I mean, it's like nature amazing. Right. It rains every day. That's like the only... You know, right. Downfall, they had but, talent. Yes. Beautiful. Amazing. The best donuts in America. Donuts. Best donuts. How in do America. you, you have no body fat. I know. I know. Donuts? <laughs> so when I was a rookie, it was one of my uh, rookie duties to bring uh, my teammates donuts everywhere I go. You know, so every role game, I was trying to find a donut shop to bring my teammates donuts. Oh, okay. And that was your hazing. That was my hazing. Yes. So this, what did you think of your special last night? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, my God. I cannot thank the Fox family enough. You know, it was, it was the first time that I actually, like, because I did a lot of interviews before. It was the first time that I actually sit down and told my whole story, you know. Right. But seeing Coach Cal, you know, seeing my American family. Uh, because you left Turkey yeah. for an opportunity, um, and then you get there. But how did you line up with a sponsor family? Who did that for you? So I had a like a, kind of like a life coach. He put me in touch with them. And then I went to their house for the first time. I'm like, you guys have an American flag in front of your house? They said, oh, yes. I was like, this is not an embassy. Why do you guys have an American flag in front of your you house? You didn't even speak good English back no, then, No, right? I did not. They said, well, because we love our country. I was like, hmm, interesting. You wow. know? So I was like trying to get to learn everything about you know, about them, about America. Because you grew up and they told you in school America is evil as it oh gets. Oh, my goodness. I mean, like I said again, like front of classes, they have American flags. They have Israeli flags. You have, you have to step on them. If you don't, then you're not allowed to attend any of the classes. You have to walk over them like floor yep, mats. Exactly. So you go in there and you went to school in Turkey. They were supposed to be an ally. They're a NATO ally. They, I mean, they are a NATO ally. I mean, they're not really a NATO ally. I mean, they're more Russia ally than American ally at this point. So. It wasn't like that your whole life, or was? I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't think it was. But like with since Erdogan, the Turkish president, came to office, I mean, more Russian ally than American ally. So you end up going from uh, Turkey to where? Um, so Turkey, I came here for uh, prep school to Simi Valley, California. Then I went to college in Kentucky, couldn't get to play. Then I got drafted by Utah Jazz in 2011. And you joined the Jazz. How'd that go? It was it was amazing, actually. It was uh, I played a three and a half years. Mormon, amazing people. You know, very peaceful uh, city. If you like skiing, it's but the you had to develop place. as a player because you didn't yeah. have that year in college to develop. Exactly. So you I had was to get very better. Rusty, actually, like very rusty. I, and also, when I got drafted, we had a lockout year. 
So oh. we, I couldn't play like a few months. So like I couldn't play high school because of, you know, this eligibility stuff. No college because of, you know, NCAA. And now I couldn't get to play basketball in NBA. So I was so frustrated. I'm like, am I ever going to get to play basketball in this country? But then lockout was over. I started playing basketball. It was the best time. Yeah. Um, so you uh, six eleven, yeah. seven foot. So I remember when you came to the Knicks mm-hmm. afterwards, and everyone loved you. I yes. mean, they just loved, loved you because, because you hustle. Yeah. I mean, your your energy was unbelievable. But mm-hmm. they had no talent. After a while, they just yeah. said, "And it's you too good. Take a seat," which is tanking. Honorable. I remember Coach called me in his room uh, one day. I was like, "What did I do?" He's like, "Listen." This is what happens when you're a good player playing in a bad team. You know, from now on, we're going to try to get a good draft pick. So we're going to sit you. And it was my contract year. I was like, I cannot believe these people literally telling me they are going to tank, you know. So for the next eight games, they, I was sitting on the bench. And the whole fans, they were chanting, we want cancer. So they put so much pressure on them. And then they released me. Then I signed with Portland. And then you signed with Portland. Yeah. And then from Portland to the Celtics. Celtics, yeah. Yeah, and then with Celtics, you, you're playing every game. Every game. Until you did what? Till I started talking about China. You know, until I started wearing the shoes, which has no any kind of rule against it. Because during the bubble, all the players were wearing, like, Black Lives Matter, yeah. uh, Breonna Taylor, Black, Revolu- Black Revolution. I'm like, okay, well, I guess there's no rule against it. If that is a human right issue, this is a human right issue, too. You know, for sending out for Tibetans, Uyghurs, Hong Kongers, Taiwanese people. But they knew that it's going to hit their pocket. So they're like, goodbye. Right. So Adam Silver said he didn't know about it, right? Oh, my, when you talk to him, he said, well, I didn't know that the Celtics, they immediately <laughs> took the Celtics out of China. Oh, but there's two options. He's either a terrible, you know, commissioner or he's just lying. I think he was just lying. He's just lying. There's no way he did just. So when you know. start wearing these, they said, listen, they didn't play you the whole game. Yep, zero And then minutes. free Tibet. And we lost the game. And free Tibet. We lost the game. <laughs> and you said you wouldn't. Yeah, you lost the game, obviously. So then you, 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 they say, don't don't wear any of those sneakers again. You said you won't, but you wore different sneakers. Well, I just didn't want to lie to you. I was like, you know what? I promise I'm not going to wear free Tibet shoes ever again. They said promise. I said promise. So we hang up the phone. But the next game, I wore free Uyghur shoes. So after the game, they called me. They said, you're a liar. You lied to us. You're a cheater. I was like, first of all. I never lied to you. I did not wear free Tibet shoes. I just wore free Uyghur shoes. Um, not many people knows. After the was the third or fourth game, Daryl Morey called me. He is the guy, the GM, actually, like, the, for the first time, he tweeted and said, stand with Hong Kong. Yeah, Daryl Morey was the GM at Houston, who's now the GM yeah, of Philadelphia. Exactly. Yes. And he says, he didn't even retweet, he just said, uh, he just, he's, stand with Hong Kong. Yeah, he stand just, with Hong Kong. That's literally what he said. And it cost NBA $150 million. So... After that, NBA put a statement out there and said, we care about free speech. We care about our employee, whatever. So he called me. He said, listen, NBA made me took my tweet down. They made me apologize. They made me put some, you know, false statements out there. You don't apologize. You don't put no false statements. You keep doing what you're doing because you're the only athlete is speaking about these issues. Wow. And I was like, I cannot believe it. Is it have you told that story before? The Daryl Morley kind uh, Not much, actually. Wow. I should. Uh, he should. Is he okay with you telling that? I don't think so. Yeah, that's what I'm like. That's what I'm like. Right. But he told you he didn't say don't tell anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Because maybe he does want you to say it because he feels bad. He didn't want to sacrifice his yeah. entire career uh, for that. You know, maybe, I don't know. He did a great job in Houston. They have not been the same since. Yeah, exactly. And now Philadelphia suddenly found their spine and they're mm-hmm. contending. Yeah. So he obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, no, he's, he's an amazing GM. I actually really, I actually met him 
face to face uh, in one of the events. He's actually a very brave person. Well, you know what? It would be very good for him to say, hey, we could probably use a 6'11 guy coming off the bench. And they need it too. 30 years old. They do. Joel Embiid got hurt. Yeah. He will be out probably the first game of the playoff series against the Celtics. Right. So, like, that will be my dream to go against the team that I actually that, – that, that released me. So, it will be – I don't know. We'll see what, what happens. Yeah, here's, here's, this is your manager talking about what you'd sacrifice. Cut 40. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer at the end of the day, decency prevails. This is a guy who sacrificed his life. He's fighting against governments when he doesn't need to. He can just collect his paycheck. He was never about the money. Never. He just truly did not care, which is why he donated everything. He lives a very humble lifestyle. So, but did he try to convince you not to do this? I mean, he's, he loves basketball. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? You right. sure this is the path that you want to go to? I was like, listen, man, this is bigger than myself, bigger than basketball, bigger than NBA. We got to do this because while we are comfortably playing basketball in this country, on the other side of the world, you know, there's a genocide happening. Two, three million Muslims are in concentration camps getting tortured and raped every day. And no one talking about it. Harvesting their organs. Exactly. And that's what you wrote on your shoes one yes, time, too. Or stop organ harvesting. Are you convinced that you're not going to be in training camp next year? I am like almost 100% sure. And does he still call the teams to make sure they haven't budged? I mean, especially I mean, the ones like Philadelphia. His, well, you know, I had an agent, so he's, he's a manager. Right. So in basketball, there's a manager and there's an agent. So my agent. We drop each other. So he doesn't even represent me anymore because you're, of You don't have an China agent stuff. working with I don't him. even have an agent with working with me. So here's Adam Silver on you wearing sneakers, Cut 41. You're not breaking any rule in terms of the shoes. There's no rule I'm aware of that you're violating now. That, Look, at the end of the day, we're all a business. Well, so that was a little of his, his phone call to you? Yes. So, at the, I mean, he's even like admitted and say at the end we are business. So he is saying that. But... You know, when, when I wore the shoes, the MBPA, the Player Association, actually, which I give thousands of dollars every month to protect my rights against the NBA, called me and said, NBA is pressuring us. Do not wear those shoes ever again. If you do, we are going to change the rules so no one can put anything on their shoes. So they were talking about changing the whole, whole rule just because of my shoes. Right. That's how crazy it got. You know, a lot of people wouldn't take Black Lives Matter off their shoes. They'll yeah. say there's more repression. That would yeah. have been uh, – that was a total head fake. So those are some of the things that have happened. You're how old, 31? 30. 30. So you got at least five years I, left. And when I did that, I was 29. Right. And here's the crazy thing is that you, a lot of people say, well, go play in Europe. Go play in Japan. Yeah. Your brother's in Japan. Yes. But that's a problem. You traveling to Big Europe problem. is an issue security-wise. Well, um, I can only stay in a country more than three, I cannot stay in a country more than three days because of I had a conversation after this whole uh, bounty news. I had a conversation with FBI with some of my other friends. They said, "When you go there, first of all, do not post anything about it till wait till you leave." Uh, and then after that, they said, "You know, you cannot stay in a country more than three days." Wow. So I want to talk about Turkey when we come back because yes. uh, I was hoping Erdogan would die. Yeah. Uh, because he evidently had some type <laughs> of breakdown of on camera. <laughs> uh, there's a big election coming up. Yep. He is not a friend of the United States. Nah. He's more of a friend of Russia. And yet he remains a nam- uh, member of NATO, stopping Sweden from mm. yep. coming on board. Exactly. Uh, when we come back, more with Ennis Cantor Freedom. And can I just talk about one thing, basketball? It's going to be great to see the Lakers and Golden State Warriors. Oh, my God. That's, That's the best be- series. Right. I cannot wait. Lower seeds who, yep. who waited uh, for the postseason to start playing. Back in a moment.
Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. In many parts of the world, including parts of the world that people might think are relatively similar to the United States, the, the speech laws are draconian. England is quite different. I won't name any country. Uh, <laughs> why, why, why are we protecting them? They have no First Amendment. It's very uh, easy I, to prove I, libel in England. Whereas I, here, it's I, almost I love a, England, but yeah, uh, you too. But, but I, I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing. You could be sued easier in France. I think if you deny the Holocaust, which I think is abhorrent, but I also think it should be part of free speech. Right. You can be thrown into jail. I, I really can't emphasize this enough. We, we, must, we must protect free speech. Um, and free speech only matters, it's only relevant when it's someone you don't like saying something you don't like. Because obviously <laughs> speech that you like is, uh, yes. you know, that's easy. The thing about censorship is that for those who would advocate it, um, just remember, at some point, that will be turned on you. Uh, that is Elon Musk with uh, Bill Moore on his show. Uh, Ennis Cantor is uh, here uh, two E's, uh, starting that you, obviously, your last name's Freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you agree with that. Of course. Yeah. And and the difference is even democracies, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit different. But Elon Musk speaking out, what he found, I don't know if you've been following the Twitter files, when he found out the role the government was playing, the FBI was doing, that Democrats were doing with that social media outlet, most likely like Facebook, mm-hmm. that's devastating. It is very devastating. I mean, I did, I tried, I did, I do try to follow a little bit, obviously, because of the language is, is a little tough for me. But I think what they were doing is pretty much like censorship, right? Right. And it's like I cannot believe this is happening. Suppressing in your tweet or somebody yeah, else's the tweet. The most freest country in the world. This is happening in America, and we keep talking about our First Amendment, freedom of speech. Right. So China, they took the Boston Celtics off, yeah. off China because of that. So now you have a situation. Uh, we have uh, a situation right now in this country where we're debating about who's going to be next, who's going to be the next one to lead our country. But in China in particular, they have the Uyghurs. It seems like the whole world forgot about them. Mm-hmm. Is there any representation working the refs in Congress about the Uyghurs? So that was the one topic, like you said, was just really blowing my mind. All the Muslim leaders out there, Middle East or anywhere in the world, was talking about all the problems were happening to to all the like the Muslim issues, but when it comes to one specific topic, Uyghurs, they're silent because of they're scared of China. But yes, I do have so many conversations with many of the brave uh, congressmen and uh, senators in uh, in America that we are trying to figure it out because talking about it is good; it brings awareness, and we we are always like, what can we do to bring actually some like concrete actions? Right. So we're trying to pass some legislation, some bills to help those people over there. Turkey, uh, Erdogan had a, like a mm. breakdown on television. Yes, he did. And you say the whole talk in the Middle East is this Turkish election yep. because Erdogan is not going to step aside and he will no. lose. I mean, if there is fair elections, he is going to lose. I had many conversations with so many leaders and they said fair elections, he's losing, he's losing because six parties in Turkey came together to just go against one. They're that sick of him. But, um, I mean, he's blocking international observers, and many people believe that there is not going to be any fair elections in Turkey. So I'm just praying for my country at this point. Right. When is it? May 14th. May 14th. So yeah. coming up, and that will be yeah. great for NATO, too. Yes. you got to figure the next leader is going to be a better leader. Yeah. I want you to hear, so tap into basketball for a second. As you know, Giannis in the button, number one seed Milwaukee mm-hmm. Bucks lost. Yeah. 
And this is what he said in the post-game press conference. Do you view this season as a failure? Do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits. You know, right. hopefully so we can win a championship. came from meager means. I love you it. You know, selling in the street. How do you feel about that? I love it. I mean, you've got to have good days and bad days, but you can never, ever give up on your dreams. Like you said, I mean, you, there is no failure. But they were the number one seed. Yes. Well, that is a kind of like a failure. That is one. But two, but you always learn. You always gain some kind of experience, you know, because they were the number one seed and they relaxed. They thought they were focusing on the championship. They were not focusing on that current, you know, uh, playoff games, but and they lost. Well, now next year the they're gonna learn about, you know, focusing on the games that had you, not the championship. Fifteen seconds. Lose it's gonna be Warriors, uh, Lakers. How do you feel about that? Hall of uh, Famers everywhere. I am just going. I'm going with Warriors. A lot of experience, a lot of shooting. I don't think the Lakers can stop them. Knicks Heat. Uh, I'm think I'm gonna go with. I'm a Knicks, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Heat. All right, uh, and it's Cantor Freedom. We're gonna watch your show on Fox Nation. Uh, the price of splendor of freedom. And it's thanks so much. Oh, thank you for having me. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. So glad you're here. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. If you're in the Northeast, you were indoors because it was raining. Just hard enough where to you stare out the when you have three dogs like I do, you stare at the front door and go, wait a second. Is it worth it to get some of these energy off my three dogs and go in the rain? Is it that hard where they're going to come out soaked and I'll be just cursing myself for bringing a wet dog in the house? And that's basically, I found my openings, was able to get the puppy out. Still, the puppy, uh, still over a year old, acts like he's six weeks old. All they do is want to play, which I appreciate the enthusiasm for life. But I do want to get on with my life, and I have other things I want to do than play. Um, Number two is I hope everybody had a great weekend. We're back in action. Just know the best is yet to come because it is May 1st. So spring is more than here. So before we get to Michael Goodwin, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think we should pay the bills and then negotiate. And we should negotiate on deficit reduction. The last person to leave a surplus was Bill Clinton. Let's repeal the Trump tax cuts. Let's repeal some of the Bush tax cuts for the very wealthy. There you go. Uh, Rokahana. Another bank collapse, debt ceiling, deadlock, radio silence from the White House. No deal making, no reassurance, as Speaker McCarthy defies everybody's challenge and says, yeah, I got my fractured Republican Congress to agree on a criteria for raising the debt ceiling. You're served, Mr. President. You have to hit the ball. Number two. I am declaring a state of emergency in our community. And the reason why we're declaring a state of emergency is to make sure that we can stand up and be prepared for May 11th, May 12th, to uh, have public sheltering, public housing. 
catastrophe brewing at the border and real concern that the whole border may buckle as Title 42 is about to expire. 20,000 plus away to Mexico right by El Paso and a manhunt out for an illegal alien who murdered a family simply to ask who asked him to stop shooting his gun and waking their infant. Number one. I think Joe Biden is agile, is capable. His record of leadership, both at home and abroad, makes him eminently qualified. And we should be focusing some on the wisdom and experience he brings to the job. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard such ridiculous spin. That is Chris Coons. 2024, Dems try and put Joe's age and re-election concerns to rest. As Trump rides a commanding lead on the right, DeSantis returns home to a big war chest and a plethora of personal attacks. Plus, how was it all? Uh, how was it all a subject? How was all a subject of Joe's jokes at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? You know how he doesn't really do his job and how he's old, uh, that type thing. Uh, Michael Goodwin joins us now for the New York Post. Uh, he talks about how basically the Democratic Party is doing to Dianne Feinstein what they might end up doing to Joe Biden as they try to showcase an inept vice president, Kamala Harris. Welcome back, Michael. Good morning, Brian. Thank you. It, well, first off, the president is comfortable enough to uh, to mock the fact that he doesn't really work much. <laughs> yeah, look, he, and he's with his base, right? The media. Um, there he is. He's comfortable. Um, no, There are no secrets among friends like that. Uh, they know it. They just don't want to report on it. They don't want to tell the truth about Joe Biden. They, You know, you would find it hard-pressed, Brian, uh, in the New York Times to find any example of his uh, forgetfulness, of, of his, you know, stepping on his lines, uh, nudging little girls, smelling their hair. You won't find any of that stuff in there. You'll find almost nothing about hunter biden in there either i mean this is this is not the media that covers it's the media that covers up uh no question here for example him taking a shot at marjorie taylor green cut 35 folks it's wonderful to be back here again proving i haven't learned a damn thing <laughs> i want everyone to have fun tonight but please be safe if you find yourself disoriented or confused it's either you're drunk or marjorie taylor green Nice, right? Yeah. Look, I mean, there's another. There's a brilliance here, Brian. Everybody knows Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene's name, right? Because the media has held her up as a symbol of the Republican Party. But is there any is there any corresponding symbol of the Democratic Party? Uh, are there no nut jobs in there? How about Maxine Waters, for example? Right? Did, is she held up as any kind of symbol? Uh, of the of the Democratic Party, or how about Rashida Tlaib or Elon Omar? It's only the media only picks out sort of the one uh, far far out Republican that it can find the most in, in that in that breed, and then holds them up as a symbol of the entire party. Well, if that's fair, then Elon Omar is the classic Democrat, and we should, and and Maxine Waters, and we should all just think of them when we right. think of the Democratic Party. Think of Elon Omar or Maxine Waters. Well, keep in mind she was featured on 60 Minutes, their first guest. And I'm thinking to myself, why do they find her intriguing? She's going to run for president? No, they tried to mock her. That was the whole of thing, course. and they wanted to make her the the symbol and the, or the face of the. Republican Party, which she is not. Uh, she's fine for her district, I guess. But to me, I don't see her making the country better. I don't see her trying to do the best for her party. I think people are trying to placate her as a, as a wild card. I really don't think she makes much sense. Uh, but that's 
I really don't have any use for people that try to use this uh, position to get famous. I think a lot of people are doing that. So yesterday, Chris Coons and Bernie Sanders were out telling everybody how competent uh, Joe Biden is, but no one buys it. 34% of the country thinks his economy is good. 70% of the country doesn't want him to run again, but he is. Uh, Martha Raddatz went out to Pennsylvania to talk to some younger people about Joe Biden. Cut four. You voted for Biden. I did. He announced this week. What was your reaction? Regret, disappointment, frustration. While it's very early in the race, that disappointment and frustration was expressed again and again by young voters we talked to. I think I would go for Biden, but obviously I would prefer a fresher candidate. He announced this week. Were you excited by that? Uh, not particularly. I'm more interested in a progressive candidate. What do you like about Joe Biden? <laughs> I mean, this was on ABC. So no, everybody knows if they did that for Obama or Clinton, you know, they would have had certain people that have, were passionate about him. But he doesn't do anything as a president. And all you could do is great on results. And no matter what he tells us, it's not going to make the economy better. The Afghanistan, anything less than a disaster. You know, Brian, I think Joe Biden's um, performance as president and the public reaction to it. To me, there's a there's a great divergent. And I think it's I think the public relations aspect of what the media has done is given Joe Biden a patina of a good and decent man, right? Of a of a of a hard worker, of a serious I mean, he is the most corrupt president we've ever had in my lifetime. I mean, he has gotten rich off of selling access to his to his positions. There's no question about that. And, you know, this good and decent image that he has. I mean, talk to anybody who, who deals with him face to face. I mean, it is it is a great coup that his image of a, the lunch pail candidate, the guy right. from Scranton, all of that stuff. None of it is reality. His policies do not reflect any of that. His policies have smashed the middle class straight in the nose. Uh, and yet. He gets away with it. I mean, again, I, I am just fixed, fixated on this idea of the media has made Joe Biden into something he's not. It has, it has distorted our politics to where it's beyond recognition. Um, but they all celebrated each other on Saturday night. So who cares, right? They're having their own little party. Yeah, I didn't go. Uh, and, and I usually love to go. But I, you know, over the last few years, I just don't have the stomach for it. Right. So a couple of things. You know what's happening right now? His son, Hunter, is uh, in a courtroom trying to, get, to lessen, his, lessen his child support payments. For a kid that he had, that he denies having, that wants to prevent from having his name, and that the father, the father and grandfather in this case, don't even acknowledge. And as Jonathan Turley wrote, they hung stockings for the cat and the dog and the rest of the grandchildren, but not her, this, this young four-year-old named Navy. And the other thing, so just keep in mind, that's the type of family it is, and that's the type of guy he is. Look, and and that's the uh, if you talk to people in Delaware, I mean, they're all afraid of the Bidens. Right. I mean, people I'm talking to somebody down there who said, you know, I, I'd love to tell you what I know. But if I do, I'm sure I'll get audited by the IRS. Uh, I mean, that's that's the kind of 
family it is. And when Joe Biden says nobody Fs with the Biden, as he said, you know, off camera to somebody that was picked up by a microphone, there's truth to that. I mean, they are they inspire fear uh, that they will use the power of the government to come after you. And that that is not something we would hope for in a president. And the idea that Joe Biden can ever unite this country or even cares about, uh, you know, those who don't vote for him and those who disagree with him, it's a fiction. And it's, it's just he's gotten away with it in, you know, for so long that now it's become almost a you know, a, a part of his own shtick. I mean, he's adopted it. It, it. it is what keeps his head above water. And look, I mean, you and I, we, we talk about the policies. We talk about the impact of the policies. You know, when he says, I came here and inflation was bad, he, he makes that stuff up and gets away with it uh, because the media never holds him accountable the way it would a right. Republican president. You know, so, I, watch, I watched one of the surrogates yesterday, McCaskill, say he's brought inflation down 40 percent. Really? From the, from the 9 percent to 5 percent, it was at 1.8 percent when he took over. What exactly. kind of spin is that? So that's, the other, that's exactly my point. Yeah. And yet, you know, more people heard Claire McCaskill say that than understand the truth or that or that capture, you know, and remember how things were before Joe Biden came into office. I mean, look, there's there's a lot of disinformation being spread. I mean, that's a new famous word, new favorite word of the media. But the media is the primary spread spreader of disinformation, the mainstream media, Claire McCaskill being a perfect example. All right. So there's something else going on. People want to know the Hunter Biden, how it relates to the presidency. Well, how about some of the deals that he made with other countries affecting foreign policy? James Comer, who will be on my show later, will uh, says there's six separate things that relate directly to business dealings. And then we find out Anthony Blinken sure shows up in the Hunter Biden laptop with the emails, the correspondence. Anthony Blinken is tighter, it seems, by these emails the, with uh, Hunter than he is with Joe. And Ron Johnson said this is a direct lie that Anthony Blinken told him in his confirmation hearing. Listen to what he said yesterday. Cut 26. Anthony Blinken finally did come in to sit down for a voluntary transcribed interview in December of 2020 because he wanted to be Secretary of State. We know that he lied bold face to Congress about never emailing Hunter Biden. My guess is he told a bunch of other lies that uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring him and his wife back in, tell them to preserve their records. So just to be clear, you just said you believe Anthony Blinken lied to you under oath. Yes, he did. Uh, He said he did not email Hunter Biden, and now we have those emails. Dozens of emails. So there's a relationship here. So is the Secretary of State uh, allowing these international businesses? Did he help Hunter Biden set up some of these because he was Deputy Secretary of State under the previous administration? By the way, John McCain thought he was a total clown. Um, So was he using some of that influence as a State Department member? Now that question has to be asked. It certainly does. And and don't forget the the more... The time before that that Blinken was in the news had to do with the 2020 letter from the 51 intelligence officers. So you have Anthony Blinken playing all kinds of political roles uh, 
in order to get to be Secretary of State. I mean, he's got to be sort of a factotum for the Biden family, it seems, helping the Biden family, helping helping Hunter with his businesses, helping Joe lie about those businesses to uh, and the laptop to the uh, the intelligence officials who put out that phony letter. Blinken's Blinken's got a lot of explaining to do. I think so, too. Uh, so you do a new column real quick. You believe that uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, cruelly put out the pasture, even offended Nancy Pelosi. But the way Ro Kahana and everybody else is going after him, all they care about is the judge confirmations. And Mitch McConnell um, said, no, I'm standing up for him, friends with him. Plus, he's in no rush to give them uh, a 10-9 advantage in these committees. No, you know, Brian, I mean, I thought this was a, a fascinating story, a, a great example of the left eating its own. Uh, the way they've gone after Diane Feinstein, who uh, was in the hospital and is recovering. She's 89. She's clearly got some health issues. But there's a viciousness about the attacks on her, trying to force her out of office uh, because, they, because of the cause. And the cause in this case is more far-left judges. She's on the Judiciary Committee. You can't replace someone easily. Without her, it's 10 to 10. Without a majority vote, you cannot advance to the full Senate. Therefore, you've got a backlog of far-left judges, yeah. uh, and they're trying to force her to res- resign from the Senate so Gavin Newsom can appoint, appoint a far-left person. He said it will be a black woman, <laughs> uh, more racist uh, you know, uh, thinking about, uh, about equality. It's got to be a black woman. That, that's who he's going to appoint. Uh, and uh, therefore, the Democrats can confirm all of these far left judges. I mean, this this is how Washington works these days. It's not okay. about merit. It's not about anything other than race and politics and just victimization constantly. Look, I think that uh, that they're going to do this on Joe Biden, too. And I think that's a significance of what we're seeing with the attacks on Feinstein. It is a dry run for how Democrats will drive Joe Biden out to make Kamala Harris president. All right. uh, Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. We're all going to be watching. And then we see what happens on the right. Don't miss My a minute. Pleasure. Thank you, Brian. Michael Goodwin, great. Your call's next. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I get that age is completely reasonable issue. It's in everybody's mind. And everyone, I mean the New York Times. <laughs> Headline, Biden's advanced age is a big issue. Trump's, however, is not. So that was the New York Times pitch spot. I apologize. What did he say? What was that last part? That was the New York Times pit job? I think so. I apologize. Pit spot. I don't He slurs everything. But I mean. Eric, did you, did you understand what he meant? And you have, you have the audio, right? Didn't catch it. It's the, the the thing that if you really want to press it, it's not your age. It's you. Because I don't have a problem with Donald Trump's age. You might have a problem with Donald Trump, but nobody thinks it's because he's old. Nobody thinks Bernie Sanders because he's old. No one thinks the CEO of uh, Ken Langone, if you watch him on TV, he's older than that. No one thinks that Ken Langone is like, you know, they know he's old, but they think he's he could run Home Depot tomorrow or 
the NYU uh, Medical Center tomorrow, which is named after him. It's him. I mean, if you really want to press me on it, it it's, it's not your age. It's the way you're acting. And your age is probably a factor. But my goodness, you couldn't do worse and really be set to get reelected. But some think he will be. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we are back, and with me right now is Congressman James Comer, uh, one of the busiest guys in Washington, House Oversight Committee chairperson, and there's a lot to oversee. So the big story today, I imagine, Congressman, is seeing when Hunter Biden goes to court to try to lessen his child support payments, and in return, they're going to have to expose some bank records. What are you going to be looking for to find out if he's really as broke as he says he is? Well, one thing we've not been able to dive into yet is how much money he's making on his artwork, uh, much less who's been buying the artwork. We're, we fear that uh, special interest groups or even even worse, the Chinese Communist Party, are basically laundering money through the art world like they normally do uh, and, and getting that to the Bidens. What we know from the bank records that we have on some of the LLCs uh, prior to Joe Biden becoming president, is that uh, Hunter Biden was the ringleader in, in his family and setting up all these mysterious LLCs and bank accounts everywhere and, and uh, laundering millions of dollars in the Biden family bank account. So it's pretty interesting for me as someone who's, who has access to the, to the Biden bank records and see how many millions of dollars this guy's taken from our adversaries and then he, you know, was trying to to cheat on his child support payments. I mean, that says a lot about the Biden family. It does. I mean, if his dad might be if, if the, his own political career. Hey, Hunter, clean this up. This is a mess. You know, and by the way, I'd like to see my granddaughter. That might be a human reaction. Political reaction yeah. would be like, what are you doing? You're going to start exposing more financial records that somehow he's related to, according to people like Tony Bobolinsky. And many people point to BHR. He has 10% in that Chinese equity firm, and he gave it to Kevin Morris, who paid his tax bill. Can you imagine that? You have a $2 million yeah. tax bill, and he paid it or loaned it to him. And now the question would be, when he sold his 10%, the range would be from 420000 to $20 million. Do you have as many questions as I do on this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think you're going to see very soon a lot of the things that uh, Hunter Biden has has claimed with respect to divesting uh, interest in in some of these uh, business interests he had with with China and, and some of the uh, schemes he had with China where he said he never got any money. I think you're going to see very soon that uh, Hunter hasn't been been truthful. So <laughs> I'm going to see. I'm, I'm anxious to see what the what the income level is since. Joe Biden's been president because, you know, what the what the Democrats and their their friends in the media try to claim is, well, none of this money happened while while Joe Biden was was president or vice president, which, Brian, is not true. And we'll, you'll stay tuned for that. But that's the that's the talking point that the White House gives the, the media and uh, and, the, and their defenders in, in Congress. But uh, you can't argue over the last two years since he's become an artist, since Biden's been president, that uh, there's there's a lot of fishy business going 
you know, taking place with just his artwork alone, much less whether or not he's still getting payments from China. I mean, put it this way. When George Bush was president, I never really saw the rest of the family, Neil Bush, Jeb Bush, and they weren't involved in controversy. I mean, we're seeing Hunter Bush is almost in your face. He's in the White House, walking around, traveling with the Europe, being his caddy there, as if to say, you can't touch me. But you point out a couple of things. Number one, more email surfaced last week that I saw last week that shows that there's a link between Anthony Blinken and Hunter. It sounds mm-hmm. like they are extremely tight. The couples are tight. He's writing emails to uh, to right. Anthony Blinken's wife. Uh, what's significant of those emails that, that stood out with you? Because it seems that he was tapping into his State Department contacts. Yeah, exactly. And remember what Blinken did prior to becoming president. He was on the payroll at the Biden Center for Diplomacy, along with Joe Biden, which we're trying to get the records from that to see who the donors were. But we know that uh, the Chinese Communist Party had donated uh, at least 20 to 40 million dollars to the University of Pennsylvania. So the 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 relationship with the Blinkens goes back a long time and it goes back with the Chinese Communist Party a long time which should this should be uh concerning to every American and, and the media but what you said about Hunter being seen with with his dad in Ireland and at state dinners and all this just shows the arrogance and entitlement of this family. They believe with all their heart that they're going to get away with the perfect crime, and that is the perfect influence peddling crime where everyone in the world knows what they've done, but yet nothing's going to happen to them because the the Congress is on their side and the media is on their side, and, and that's just not the case. You know, when, when I'm sitting there watching the clips from the White House Correspondence Center and, and reading the stories about it, I say, well, you know, the one thing that concerns Democrats are, are, are the president's age or, or whatever. I mean, what about the corruption? I mean, this is the most corrupt White House in my lifetime, and, and we're releasing bank records, and, and we're talking about Biden family members getting wires from China. And yet the media just says, oh, it's no big deal. And isn't it great that his, his son is with him and helping him get around? I mean, it's, it, it's just mind-boggling how pitiful the mainstream media is. It's true. And so Senator Ron Johnson was moving on this investigation when the, when the Republicans had the majority in the Senate. As soon mm-hmm, as they lost mm-hmm. the Georgia election, no one was interested in pursuing this. So that's why when you guys won, this is your lane. So he knew about Anthony Blinken, it seems, relationship with Hunter. But evidently, he denied it, that he has any interaction. So listen to what Ron Johnson said yesterday, cut 26. Anthony Blinken finally did come in and sit down for a voluntary transcribed interview in December of 2020 because he wanted to be Secretary of State. We know that he lied bold-faced to Congress about never emailing Hunter Biden. My guess is he told a bunch of other lies that uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring him and his wife back in, tell them to preserve their records. So just to be clear, you just said you believe Anthony Blinken lied to you under oath. Yes, he did. Uh, he said he did not email Hunter Biden, and now we have those emails. Does And he wants you to subpoena him and make him answer that. Have you mm-hmm. and will you? Uh, I think the odds of that happening are, are very good. And, you know, right now you're going to see some more movement in the next seven to 10 days from the oversight committee with respect to bank records. And with what Senator Johnson said about uh, blinking, blinking, lying to, to Congress under oath, you're going to see a lot of lies uh, that are going to come out from the Biden family, from their lawyers, 
And it's going to be interesting to see how the mainstream media covers this because it's, uh, you know, there's clearly a pattern of this family, not just influence peddling, but lying about it. And the, the problem we have is we're, we're spending tax dollars left and right. Our, our national security is at risk because of China, because of what China's doing with Russia and Ukraine, because of what China's threatening to do with Taiwan, because China's going and buying you know, all sorts of uh, uh, important companies in, in Africa and, and all over the world that, that threaten our national security. But, but this family's getting money from China when they're our number one adversary, and it doesn't seem like uh, the the media is, is concerned or the right. Democrats in Congress are concerned. Very, well, it, oh, we are, uh, and it's starting to come up a little in other channels. But you right. you did something so important. You said the the six business deals that concern you because it could be affecting policy for this mm-hmm. president and his administration. I don't expect you to memorize all six, but you get this idea which got you concerned. Which one now? You said there's six different yeah. business deals that you think yeah. might be affecting the Biden policy. Right. I think that uh, hopefully we're going to have a memo uh, by next Monday. We plan on having a press conference in one week and disclosing what we have thus far uh, from the bank records and from going in and looking at the thousands of pages of bank violations from this family in the in the Treasury cabinet. And there are six decisions that Joe Biden made, which were uh, adverse to America's interests. There's there's no question about it. And people would scratch their head, well, why would they do that? And we believe that uh, there are transactions that might explain why Joe Biden would have an America last policy and a China first policy, or, or why he would do certain things with respect to to Russia or with respect to Africa. Remember, you know, this isn't just the president's son and the president's brother in China or just China, Russia, and Ukraine. This is the entire family in just about every country that we have a sanction against. You know, it's not countries that a normal international business does, uh, does commerce with. These are the worst countries on the map, the countries that that are adverse to the United States. This is where they were taking money. And, and again, it's the whole family. So, you know, I'm excited about what we've been able to obtain thus far. We should get more bank records in this week. What about the and, whistleblower uh, that we heard about a couple of weeks are, ago? There are multiple whistleblowers. Uh, they, are, they are, as I said on Fox, they fear for their lives, not just <laughs> from, the, from the Biden family, from uh, – rogue intelligence people within our government, but they were dealing with some pretty shady characters on the work, on the international scene. I mean, they, you know, when you're dealing with the Chinese communist party, when you're dealing with Russian oligarchs, when you're dealing with corrupt energy companies in Ukraine and, and in Africa in in the worst countries, the worst companies, I mean, you, you would, you would be concerned too, especially when the media is getting the backs of the of the president. I hear you, but James, what about the one that came forward and his lawyer was on uh, talking about it? He was worried about his safety, but he was from the IRS. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that whistleblower. Uh, just a very high-ranking person at the IRS. Good story. I, I think that uh, it's going to show a lot about the weaponization of the federal government, a lot about the involvement that 
that the uh, that Merrick Garland has has provided to cover up the Biden corruption. It's not just Blinken. It's also Merrick Garland. So we've got some questions about the FBI. We've got some questions about other intelligence agencies and uh, why they haven't done certain things. But, you know, the one benefit of the the benefit of doubt I'm going to give to the U.S. attorney Weiss in, in Delaware is as to why he hasn't done anything yet. Maybe it's because he's like the House Oversight Committee. Every other day, we find another LLC, another bank account, and another Biden family involved in this scheme. So maybe he's just uh, still trying to, to put it together. But I can assure you, Brian, we're going to help him out a lot. And, and next Monday should be a big day for for the truth and for the American people who are concerned about public corruption. And then we'd love to have you right back here, Congressman. Uh, Absolutely. You got it. James Comer of Kentucky, House Oversight Committee Chair. He's got his uh, plate full, but he's pursuing it. Uh, with his hair on fire. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, one 408 7669 I'm going to come back. I'm going to take some calls. You can also write me, BrianKillMe.com. And keep in mind, too, any of my books about American history, from George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson's Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, uh, Frederick Douglass, and uh, the President and Freedom Fighter. Uh, and you could order them on BrianKillMe.com, and I could uh, personalize it and get them out. Brian Kilme Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I don't agree with Congressman Kohana that we want unlimited FDIC insurance. I think that to me is a bit of a race to the bottom. You would pick like two, two million, five million, ten million. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some limit. At some point, you have to limit because you don't want a total race to the bottom where, you know, the, the weakest bank with the weakest balance sheet in the world can offer you the highest rate of return on your deposits, and therefore you take your deposits there because guess what? They're insured by the federal government. So that was Gary Cohen, National Security, uh, excuse me, Economic uh, Advisor to President Trump, and you know he's uh, he's got every important. Uh, 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 banking job in the country. He was talking about the bailout of First Republic. I guess it's not technically a bailout. What happened is they lost, uh, I guess, 49% of their value. People were just bailing because they thought First Republic was as bad as Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, the ones that went belly up. So they started just bailing on it. So they tried to get somebody to buy it. They said, I don't want to buy it. I'm going to buy all the debt. I'm not going to do that. So the FDIC took it over over the weekend and then gave it to J.P. Morgan without any of the debt. So they have 84 branches in eight states uh, that's taken over and sold. And now J.P. Morgan's stock went up. What's the risk? No, they're probably the most solvent bank of the country. We lost one more medium-range bank. So they lost, so basically $100 billion walked out the door in the first quarter, and they could not recover from that. They got $30 billion in terms of a lifeline and obviously unable to pay that back. So now... Thirteen billion to cover their losses. The, they have this thing called these insurance fund. So the insurance fund is where every bank is forced forced to contribute to, and for situations like this. So they got thirteen billion for that to cover their losses. In comes J.P. Morgan, and they simply love it. So to me, I understand, and I got to get confirmation on this. There's no confirmation besides two hundred fifty thousand. That everyone, if you have less than two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred fifty thousand or less, you're gonna get you're gonna get all your money back. But over that, they tell me you haven't really lost it. There's just no guarantee 
there's no guarantee that you're going to get it, which is nuts. Because if you if you're able to save money in a pension plan or a 401k over a series of years, and you're able to get some of that money and you put it in a bank, sometimes you're not thinking to yourself, "I want to spread it out." Oops, we're over 250. I got to put it here. I got to put it there because banks don't usually collapse outside 2008. But now all those people are out of money, and you say it's no big deal. I'm wondering why the president never speaks about this. How this will figure into the Fed's decision to raise or not raise or or lower rates or leave it as it is. That must play a role. But we're also watching, and I'd like to see what the CEO did. Are we having another situation where everybody at the bank, including its board, were cashing in because they knew they were on a one-way trip down the toilet? Because that's what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. And if it is the case, I want that money back. And these guys got to go to jail. You can't just take money. You can't take a bank, take stock on it, bet that it's going to lose, cash in on it, and then let the government bail you out. Or have the government force a merger. So I don't know what who looks over these guys' shoulders. I don't know what's happening. But, I mean, you got to wonder, did they, were we the only ones that knew that inflation was high and sustainable? And were the only ones to understand that interest rates were going up to slow down the economy? That combination should have been trouble for people that do this for a living that ascend to become executives. I just don't get it. Meanwhile, this is part of the reason why people are losing faith in the president. He never talks about this. He never tries to soothe any feelings, just stays quiet. I don't even see Janet Yellen. Does that reassure you, her? Now top Republicans are calling for President Biden to act on the debt ceiling. We, we said, Republicans said, we did what you wanted. We got your plan. You like it? You hate it? Let's talk about it. He keeps saying, no, I won't talk about it because you don't want to help because this is money that we've already uh, spent how dare you not or, um, honor the money that's already been spent, okay? Well, the problem is the debt ceiling was set up by all accounts to sit there and get both sides to talk and say, we're about to hit the debt ceiling. What are we going to do to stop this from going up? How do we stop this from being forced to be raised all this time? But instead, if you talk about that, you're trying to uh, make the country fail on its debt. That's not the case. It's not been the case in the past. Go sit down there with Kevin McCarthy, look at some of these spending cuts, see what you can tolerate. Then he comes back with Joe Biden counters, and then maybe they come up with a deal that everyone can get behind because we want to get our fiscal house in order. I thought. Thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKilme.com, click on comments. I want to hear what you have to say, and keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for being here. I know if you're in the Northeast, it rained all weekend. You were stuck inside or you had to deal with the rain if you were playing like youth sports and they with turf these days, they don't cancel anything. Uh, we're going to do a simulcast with Harris Faulkner on the Faulkner Focus and Brett Baer right after that. So much to talk, uh, talk about, too. As we see what this week is going to be like, I get the sense that we're going to be half election, half what's happening in the news with uh, Joe Biden. I think his whole thing is let him be president and let that be his campaign. Good luck with that. How's that work so far? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. 
Number three. I think we should pay the bills and then negotiate. And we should negotiate on deficit reduction. The last person to leave a surplus was Bill Clinton. Let's repeal the Trump tax cuts. Let's repeal some of the Bush tax cuts for the very wealthy. Oh, that's great. Let's just get rid of the tax cuts and let's jack the revenue up. That's the problem. We don't tax people enough. That's the beauty of being Rokahana. Another bank collapse, debt ceiling deadlock, and radio silence from the White House. Number two. I am declaring a state of emergency in our community. And the reason why we're declaring a state of emergency is to make sure that we can stand up and be prepared for May 11th, May 12th, to uh, have public shelter and public housing. Yeah, that is Mayor Lesser of El Paso. Catastrophe is brewing at the border. The real concern, the whole border may buckle. That Title 42 goes away in a couple of weeks. There is 20,000 estimate already just outside El Paso on the Mexican side of the border ready to surge. We might not be able to handle it. Meanwhile, an illegal alien, five times he was tossed from our country, murdered a family. Manhunt is on. Number one. I think Joe Biden is agile, is capable. His record of leadership both at home and abroad makes him eminently qualified. And we should be focusing some on the wisdom and experience he brings to the job. Right. Not many people have the guts to call Joe Biden agile, but that's Chris Coons. Dems try and put Joe's age and reelection concerns to rest as Trump rides a commanding lead to the right. DeSantis comes home with a big war chest and a plethora of personal attacks. Plus, we got some uh, lows and highs from the White House Correspondents' Dinner. So as I mentioned, we're going to get a little bit early here to be able to get to Harris Faulkner. But I want to do go over something we have not discussed yet uh, so far in the show. And that is what's happening at the border. And you saw Mayorkas over the weekend try to tell everyone it was no big deal what's happening at the border. That it was uh, under control. Nobody believes that. And everybody hates him. I, I cannot stand looking at him anymore. Because I know that he knows the difference. In talking to Tom Holman, he used to work under him. He knows how to seal the border, and he's choosing not to. So far in 2021, under Mayorkas, 1.7 million apprehensions. Forget about the gotaways. That's an all-time record. In 2022, record-breaking, 2.3 million gotaways. More migrants have crossed the southern border than any year since the 1960s, and then this actually outstrips that. Fentanyl has become the leading cause of death for 18 to 49-year-old Americans. Where is it coming from? China's got the ingredients. They mix it in Mexico and sell it to us. What are they going to do when Title 42 ends? Here's their ridiculous plan. Open up new centers in Colombia and Guatemala where people can apply. Family reunification program. So if you're an unaccompanied minor, you might be able to get your parents over. And assistance to counter smuggling. Oh, that is going to work. Title nine, Title eight, they call it. Forget it. Not many people think it's going to be effective. One thing is pretty clear. Even Chuck Todd could not help but ask him the question that everyone knows. The agents know you're not trying, know you broke the border. They hate you. Cut 16. I want to ask you about Border Patrol because the union doesn't like you. Uh, And they make it pretty clear on social media this month uh, and last month, the month before. These are all from Border Patrol, the Border Patrol Union on you. The chickens are going to come home to roost because of what he's done. They call you a national disgrace. Remove Mayorkas was their most recent tweet. Uh, how can you lead a group of people whose union wants you out of office? 
Uh, Chuck, I'm incredibly proud to work with the United States Border Patrol. I have supported them vigorously since my first day in office. I will continue to do so. Is that Trem- nuts? Is that nuts? He goes on. He just totally ignores the question. I enjoy working with them. They don't like you. Not because uh, because your height or your weight or you're Democrat or Republican. It's because of what you do and won't allow them to do. You think it's a big deal adding Border Patrol? You're doing it because so many people are quitting. Number three, it's a terrible job when you're not supported. It's a hard job when you are. You have to live in the middle of nowhere, either by yourself or drag your family there. And now you do your job and you're not even appreciated when you supposedly slip up with the Haitian illegal immigrants. You'd be condemned by both both the president, vice president, and Mayorkas himself. And then when it proves as though it was a fallacy, they did nothing wrong, there was no apology, you lost them there. And don't have a sanctuary city, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, if you're going to complain about the number of illegals there. Don't make it a, don't make it a big magnet. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. We're going to be joining Harris Faulkner. You're going to see us on uh, Fox News Channel in a matter of moments, and we'll have a chance to talk to the uh, go on the fire, uh, the Faulkner Focus. Bottom of the hour, it'll be Brett Bear, but I'll be able to squeeze in some calls in between. In theory, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We have a lot of other things to discuss too. We have not really played the highlights from the Washington correspondent White House correspondents dinner. Uh, way too packed, uh, way too crowded. And I don't know if I'm ready to uh, to kid around about Joe Biden's ineffectiveness and age. It's just too real. That's the issue. But there are some uh, good moments. I think the comedians seem to be pretty funny from what I heard. Well, we'll be able to do that. And also, did you see the story about Brittany Griner? Brittany Griner, who's uh, six foot nine inch, the first female, I believe, to be able to jam a basketball, came out for trans men playing in the WNBA and is for it. Shouldn't ban anybody at any time. Among the people crushed by that, Riley Gaines says just heartbroken by it because she knows how much fame Griner has and how unrealistic and selfish it is to do that. She's at the end of her career. No one's really going to touch her career. But all these other people trying to break in will have to deal with trans men. Uh, The Leah Thomas. And nothing to get them, but as we've been over before, they shouldn't be competing in destroying women's sports. That's how I, that's what I believe anyway. Uh, but we'll talk about that. I'll talk about the collapse of this bank. I just can't wait. I want to find out what happened with First Republic Bank. And here's why. It's because people put their money in a bank. They, they do just want to put it there. They're not investing it. They're putting it there to have it feel safe. You don't really know what the board's doing. Really? Am I supposed to go find out what the First Republic board looks like, sounds like? If I have $100,000 in there, $150,000 in there, am I worried about it for my life savings up to $250,000? Or if you're lucky enough to be able to inherit some money, you have some money, let me put it in the bank, don't want it in a high-risk account. Next thing you know, it's belly up, and the FDIC only guarantees you $250,000. Now, instead of me just saying this once, now we're saying it three times in seven weeks. And there's no idea where this is going to end. I don't want people to panic because it makes people act rash and it affects the whole economy. Now let's listen in and do the simulcast. You'll hear my long introduction. Right now, Hunter Biden is in a courtroom in Arkansas. The president's son is attending a hearing over child support he owes for his four-year-old daughter. 
The child's mother says the president's son is not holding up his end of the bargain. Well, no, he's not paying. And the court says he's playing games. She wants the judge to hold Hunter Biden in contempt and put him in jail until he complies. Legal scholar and criminal defense attorney Jonathan Turley points out how this hearing could have much wider impl implications. The irony is that this effort could really backfire across the board. Yeah. He's under investigation in Delaware, in Washington, and he may have just tripped the wire on this one uh, by once again uh, trying to reduce his support for his own child. A new op-ed boils it down just this way. Hunter Biden may be held accountable for the first time in his life. The first son is also facing seven more scrutiny uh, even more scrutiny over his ties to Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Emails between the two back and forth in 2015 were revealed just last week. Blinken was a campaign advisor to Joe Biden at the time, and he also played a role in sparking the intelligence letter that dismissed Hunter Biden's laptop story as Russian disinformation. Senator Ron Johnson says this. Anthony Blinken finally did come in and sit down for a voluntary transcribed interview in December of 2020 because he wanted to be Secretary of State. And now because of uh, more information that's come out, we know that he lied bold-faced to Congress about never emailing Hunter Biden. You cannot trust Joe Biden. You cannot trust Hunter Biden. You can't trust the Biden family. Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox and & Friends and host of The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox Radio, simulcasting right now with us here on The Faulkner Focus. And his show gave you a quick heads up this time. Because I didn't want to catch you in a commercial. I know. So, so Brian, you talked with, with experts, Jonathan Turley, legal expert being one of them. Um, you would think that Hunter Biden would be all buttoned up right now. They're taking a really close look. He's not paying child support? Yeah, and, and I could just say 20 minutes ago I spoke to James Comer. Uh, so I, he, we're all, I'm kind of all over this story. And what people should understand, it's not a, just about Hunter Biden. The arrogance of somebody not willing to play child support for a kid that he had that he knows is his. He wants to fight to make sure the kid doesn't get his name. Also, in doing this and telling the judge, I'm paying too much money. You know, I don't have much money, even though I have a really nice car and I'm living with a, in a really nice mansion. It's not mine. Even though I get to live in the White House and do certain things and sell my paintings, I'm not telling you how much they're worth. But I just like to pay less for a kid that I don't want to acknowledge that my mm. extended family won't acknowledge. So one thing I think is pretty clear. This is how it could backfire, which I find astounding that his lawyers will allow this to happen. They're going to say, show me everything. Show me what you're worth. And that, that whole, for example, that BHR sale that you gave, that company. Well, it turns out that company's worth a lot of money. You own 10% of that company. And it's estimated that you got, when you sold it, between 420000 and $20 million. Which one is it? Can I see the mm. records? So not only is Comer getting the records, but now this judge wants the records. Why? Because he does not want to pay for his own kid or is paying too much for his own child. It doesn't seem to bother him that all this stuff's going to be exposed. Think about this. He's traveling in Ireland. He's totally front and center. You know, you, he's saying to everybody, it's seeming, you can't touch me. You can't touch my wow. dad. No one's going to follow this story. I think he's overstepping. That's Look, my I, sense. I know it was already a blockbuster. Catch me if you can. But maybe he's trying to do the sequel. I, you know, yeah. you hit the nail on the head of something that I had not read into. Fighting for the opportunity for his child not to get the Biden name. Something that he himself has leveraged for decades. And then bragged about it on 60 Minutes. Yeah, I use the family name. 
I mean, it's just the opposite, for example, of the Bushes. When, when W was in office, you never saw Jeb. You never saw Neil. You saw his dad. But they weren't sitting there saying, you know, my, my dad's the president. My brother's the president. You just don't see it like that. This is not only – he not only has a checkered past that you would think he'd want to bury. And I know Roger Clinton had some problems in the past. But he wasn't advising the president handling Bill Clinton's uh, things to do list on a daily basis on overseas trips. But Hunter really believes – and really believes that he is vital to his dad and doesn't believe he's touched. Now, the most fascinating thing that James Comer just brought up to us is that the Hunter Biden emails that you just played from uh, from uh, Ron Johnson, mm-hmm. I did not know that he denied ever emailing with Hunter Biden. <laughs> to become Secretary of State, he flat out lied. We have the emails. In fact, in my humble opinion, he's tighter with Hunter than he is with Joe. Ooh. So they're dealing with the Deputy <laughs> Secretary of State let me see. Who's doing international business deals? Yeah. The Bidens. Who has international Look, business contacts? The guy in the State Department named Anthony Blinken, the future Secretary of State. Who got a pretty good gig out of that. You would think so. And he also has a lot of contacts. I have to ask you a question, says one of the emails. Do you have some time a little bit later? And now we know the wives in Hunter uh, and Hunter Biden's many wives are talking back and forth. So there's a huge oh. connection that they told the Senate. The Senate committee that didn't exist, we now know it exists. Is it enough to get him kicked out of Secretary of State? I don't know. But it makes me question all their foreign policy decisions. That's the bigger story. That is the headline that you're giving us out of that uh, chairman's interview that you just gave, Chairman of Oversight, James Comer. Um, So much for following the science here, Brian. It made for quite the conversation with Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Here was his take on transition surgeries for children and the recent approach to gender itself. Below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers. Are are you confident that you know that gender uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing it? I am. Uh, Do you know this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes if you're a woman, an X and a Y. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness, why take away that option? Part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, is we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. And there's no doubt that the culture movement in this country, even education, is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, let's not create more of it. That's what we're doing. So, Brian, what's really interesting about what Vivek is just saying there and has kind of spawned where several states are going now is this movement of just don't tell the parents then. If the parents are going to want to weigh in, if the parents are going to try to stop any of this, you as a child under 18 have the right to be taken wherever you need to be taken for that transition and you don't need permission, you don't even need to tell your parents. Yeah, That's and, where we're going in some states. But by the way, I give uh, Vivek a lot of credit uh, because he'll go on everything. You know who had the, the battle plan of Vivek Ramaswamy? Donald Trump. He went on every channel at any moment. You want him on, he's going to show up. He'll take on the most difficult subjects. He deserves a lot of credit because that was a real hostile environment. But I thought it was a fair environment. I don't think the questions were unfair. This is what other people are saying. Now, I, I date back to that, that shooting in Nashville. We know about this woman who wanted to be a man, was on some type of chemical trip, 
was violent, obviously, suicidal as well. We don't know the manifesto, but we know the parents were not accepting of it. And he had seven, she had seven guns in her uh, room not telling him. So there's all type of tension and stress that could result in people's deaths. And I would say this, as uh, Vivek brought up brilliantly, you can't get a tattoo before you're 18, but you're supposed yeah. to change genders because you feel that way. Talk to some of the people that did it and have regrets in which the people stood up to them and said, mm. this is a period in your life. Let's wait till you're a little older because we can't undo what you might want me to do. Well, in one note to the president, our children belong to us, the parents. They do not belong to this government. Thought that was a Absolutely given. Absolutely not, full stop. Yeah. Brian Kilmeade, you've got to hit that commercial break. Thanks for simulcasting with me. Thanks for knowing my break's better than me. Appreciate it, Harris. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> House Republicans. All right. Uh, I am up against the break, right? I'm pretty close. Yeah, about about a minute. But Vivek, I got to give him credit because uh, he was on this morning on Fox Business. He was on with with um, with us. I think he was on at the 10 o'clock show last night. And then he was on Meet the Press in the morning. So I think that what he's doing is taking all questions, all topics at all times. And what this is, is free media. So he's taking the questions. He's helping your show. He's a legitimate presidential candidate. So it's helping your rundown. He's taking all the difficult issues. And he's actually about neck and neck with Nikki Haley right now, which for name recognition is a long way to go. I'll tell you one thing is pretty clear. His, his prediction by the fall, he'd be third. I can't really doubt that right now. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Brett Baer about that. But I promise to expand the conversation. You listen to the Brian Kill Me Show. So glad you're here. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kill Me Show. Joe Biden is operating as if Donald Trump is going to be the nominee, and his future success depends on Donald Trump being the nominee. When you have seven out of ten Americans that doesn't want to see Joe Biden run for election, and six out of ten Americans not wanting to see uh, Donald Trump run as well, uh, this is a, a potential rematch in 2024 that nobody wants to see. And unfortunately, whether we like it or not, age is going to be a factor um, in this campaign. Because uh, guess what? Donald Trump's no spring chicken either. Hmm. And so this is something that's, that both candidates are going to have to deal with through their primaries and, and, and President Biden in the general election. And that is Congressman Will Hurd, a Republican CIA guy, knows the border issue, knows uh, how to work across the aisle. And now he was uh, service serving as an ABC pundit. But I just don't think age is an issue with Trump. Out of all the issues that he has, I don't think anyone's going to go say he's too old. I think that people say that about Joe Biden, mostly in his own party. 51% don't want to see him uh, run again in his own party. 70% overall in the country don't want to see him run. 48% said it's because of his age. Uh, Brett Baer is in the prime of his life by any metric. He's a chief political anchor, Fox News, anchor special report. Um, and he is with us now. Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brett. Hey, what do you, do you, do you think that age is going to be a factor for Trump? I don't think so. I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, he, he doesn't uh, portray... Uh, if anything, he's he's overly energetic. He bounces around all over the place. Um, but I, I don't think it will be. But there are people out there who say, you know, of 300 million plus Americans, um, it's interesting that it could be these two again. Uh, and, you know, I, I do think age on the Biden side gets talked about a lot. 
And they were trying to, to spin it differently. Here's Chris Coons. Cut one. I think Joe Biden is agile, is capable. His record of leadership, both at home and abroad, makes him eminently qualified. And we should be focusing some on the wisdom and experience he brings to the job. He also said that the president really was frustrated last time around that he couldn't get out on campaign because he loved it so much. I'm wondering if that passed the laugh test. Yeah. I mean, clearly the campaign ran everything from the basement, essentially, uh, through COVID. And it was convenient because they could do that. I'm not sure that you can do that this time around. Uh, And if you look at how few times this president has been out in press conferences, in one-on-one interviews, um, you wonder how this campaign is going to run. Did you go uh, over the weekend, Brent? I didn't. I have been to 22 of these things. I asked uh, the powers that be, do you mind if I miss this this one? And they uh, they said it was okay. So I heard it was fun. I saw the pictures, um, but I wasn't going to go to 23 right now. I don't think it's going to hurt your career at all. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> uh, so Carl Rove, rarely do I disagree with him because he's so smart and insightful. But this strategy is the same strategy that Governor Sununu and Christie are using I just don't think it's it's effective. Cut 11. Well, first, they need to articulate a vision that says, I am changed and I'm new and different. Uh, I've been a successful governor or successful senator. I've been a successful leader in private sector. And I've got a vision for the future that causes you to say, you know what, that sounds good. Second of all, they've got to deal with with President Trump. They've got to say, you know what, you did a lot of good things, but you got baggage. You got baggage in the fact that you've been indicted for things. You may be indicted for more things, that you're a controversial figure, and that you failed to do things. You know, you said you'd build the wall. Well, when you came into office, here's how, how long the wall was. When you left office, it wasn't much longer. You said you'd take on China and you get this. You proclaimed that you got this fantastic treaty with China to buy a bunch of our American agriculture product. And it didn't happen. You did nothing to attack China on on the issue of of uh, stealing our intellectual property, of stealing our ideas and manufacturing processes and science and technology. You didn't do anything about that. So I appreciate the good things you did. But frankly, we need new leadership that's actually going to get things done. And I've. I just don't think that Republicans are going to say they know exactly what happened with the wall. He did say it was going to drain the swamp. They, he tried uh, with the China thing was on track into the pandemic. I think that's a Democratic attack on Trump. I don't think it works. You want to bring up the indictments and behavior and and uh, ill-advised tweets. I think that's open. But maybe I'm too close to it. What do you see? No, I agree. I agree with you. I think that the first part of that of his soundbite was something that you'll see a lot. I think you'll see new and different. I think you'll see, I don't have the baggage. I appreciate everything, you know, policy wise, but going after him on the wall uh, or on China, it just doesn't seem like it sticks, Uh, especially because you have such a disparity now with how the border is dealt with under the Biden administration and, um, and China. You know, and there are real questions about our China policy now. So attacking him on on those substantive issues doesn't seem to stick. So so uh, Governor DeSantis comes back. He's got one hundred and eleven million dollars in his war chest. Trump has raised fifty one. No one else is even close, but he's under a barrage of attacks. Do you think things change once he says he's officially in or the interim step of exploratory committee? I think it it does change a little bit, but 
you know, it's, it's essentially a de facto campaign now. And, you know, he's bouncing around, going overseas. Um, he's obviously raised a lot of money. I, I do think he's he's had some missteps, and um, Republicans are watching that closely. I think, you know, they want an alternative, some do, to at least look at in op- – in opposition to the former President Trump, um, and they're wondering whether Ron DeSantis is that. It may change, though, in how much he's out there and how much he's talking. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy did what uh, many people didn't think was possible, got his caucus together to put a criteria out that would allow him to raise the debt ceiling. If you did what I asked you to do in this form, 300-plus pages, about cutting expenses, you know, it's a starting point. How long can President Biden hold out and say, I'm not talking? With 34 percent of the country approving of his economy now, is this going to help it? No. And it's the onus then falls on the White House to to sit They're They're probably going to leave it up to the Senate. Uh, but there's going to have to be some negotiations because McCarthy did get that across the finish line. And um, a lot of people didn't think he was going to do it. And they kept on betting that he wasn't going to do it. And he did it. So now it's the starting point of the back and forth. Lastly, on the immigration, uh, Brett, we have a situation they said is going to make the Haitian bridge story. uh, It's going to dwarf it in comparison. There's more uh, than mostly Venezuelans welled up on the border waiting for Title 42 right now than there was the whole Haitian situation. It's going to fill up rapidly. That got everybody's attention. Uh, This is going to get everybody's attention in two weeks. Does anything about Title VIII make you think, and the interviews over the weekend make you think that this administration has an answer? No, I really don't see it yet. They're not talking about it. The Homeland Security Secretary is really saying the same things. Um, And, you know, I I don't even think they're negotiating that well with Mexico. Uh, So there's... There is going to be, it'll come to a head once again. You know, we've been down there since the beginning, um, but other places are going to have to cover this because it's going to get to a really messy situation. Benjamin Hall tonight, his interview with Tony Blinken. Can you give us an idea what to expect? Well, he's going to tape it this afternoon. Um, he, he's going to, you know, talk obviously about uh, Ukraine and Russia and his experience, uh, but also, you know, ask some probing questions. Uh, I don't think he's going to pull back. He's he's covered that place uh, for a long time before going overseas, and um, it should be interesting. Yeah, I'm just wondering too the 2050 emails that have gone back and forth between Blinken and Hunter Biden that Senator Johnson says was was denied even existed during his confirmation hearing. I wonder if that's going to be something that's going to well up, if not today, but over the weeks, will a subpoena actually be next? Maybe. I think um, there's a lot of elements to this Hunter Biden story that we haven't, you know, it's like an onion. It keeps on getting peeled back. And um, and I think it's going to continue to be since the House um, Oversight Committee is really going after it. And lastly, this just came across. Uh, DeSantis backboard uh, will sue Disney in its latest escalation. Remember, the board, as it left, decided to make sure that the it, be, it remained its own state within a state. Uh, they are suing now to undo that. So DeSantis not letting up. Uh, that's the Disney subplot that Republicans are jumping on him for. I, I enjoyed our time, uh, Brett. Have a great week. <laughs> you 
too. All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Real quick on Title Forty Two, very few people care more or know more than Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Here's what he said on Face the Nation: What it means, cut eighteen. And this is honestly the fourth time that we've seen this Title Forty Two is going to end. And every time we come to this uh, situation before the crisis, is this uptick in illegal immigration, and we're seeing that now, whether it's Brownsville, whether it's uh, Eagle Pass, or whether it's El Paso. Now it's all three of those areas. And so the numbers are getting worse. The agents are beyond an exhausting point. And it's not just at the border. Now what you're seeing is places 100, 150 miles from the border are just as overwhelmed as if they were on the Rio Grande themselves. While these major cities like Chicago, New York, or Philadelphia and Los Angeles say the same thing, they're overwhelmed. When's this president going to pay attention? Really pay attention? You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, we find out if there's more to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Folks, I know a lot's changed in the press. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of you. This is not your father's press from 20 years ago. No, I'm serious. You all know it better than I do. But still, it is absolutely consequential and essential. After all, I believe in the First Amendment, not just because my good friend Jimmy Madison wrote it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. That is uh, some highlights from President Biden uh, giving his remarks uh, at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I I watched uh, one of these clips. It said, you know, um, basically, I'm going to come out here, do 10 minutes and then walk away while you're still while you shout questions. And everyone laughed. And I do believe that. That was not anything to laugh at, because if you were a Washington correspondent, you must be so frustrated because that's what these two years have been like, where you can never get a question off. You can never get your sit down. You never get uh, legitimate answers. You have a very bad press secretary, almost no information coming out. And you get you got to do your job. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Spirits Capital Corporation. Barreled whiskey is the cash cow of industry insiders. But now you too can invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. Go to caskdeeds.com. C-A-S-K-Deeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. Yep, get your whiskey. Bare Minimum Mondays. That's who they call a TikTok's trend. Bare Minimum Monday encourages workers to get this. Ease in by doing just enough to get by the work week as it begins. Uh, uh, By the numbers, a recent study from LinkedIn and Headspace found that 75% of working Americans say they experience Sunday scaries returning to work. What's happening is before before there were minimum Mondays, they were physically sick and stressed. Now they have a different attitude towards it. How sick do you get Sunday thinking about work with me on Monday, uh, Allison? I mean, for the past, like... Over a decade, I mean, Sundays are my worst day of the week, right? You just shake. I, I have to sit with Brian for several right. hours. How am I going to handle it when he just berates me nonstop? Right. Eric, what about <laughs> you? You were off for a week. How much did you hate? Were you shaking on Sunday? Yeah, was this study about me? Yeah. <laughs> because bare minimum Mondays. We're barely getting anything. I can barely hear the music below. Uh, next, chatbot uh, GBT uh, can now show more empathy than doctors. OpenAI's uh, uh, chatbot can answer patient questions with more empathy. Why it matters, apparently, even our humanity can be bested by robots. We never thought that could be the case. Um, then both doctors and uh, chat GPT answered the same upcoming question. I guess they did a few scenarios. Keep in mind, I don't know what you're comparing it to. 
But I do like the idea of AI being fed all the information about every patient that might have your same illness and talk about different treatments and be able to come up with a possible quick solution, don't you? I agree. It makes you more efficient with your time for sure. And they said basically because time isn't a, isn't a constraint, which is why ChatGPT was better with this. So we're able to just, you know, pump out the empathetic answer. Whereas, you know, we as people might think, well, do we say that? Does that sound right? right. Are we going to hurt their feelings? Right. Uh, well, I think the doctors always could use a uh, pumped up their bedside matter. But a lot of them are ticked off because they're overworked and underpaid. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was watching 60 Minutes on last night. And they were just talking about in rural America, in Louisiana specifically, there's no uh, OGBYNs and there's mm-hmm. no general practitioners. Why? Because it doesn't pay because all this Obamacare and all these things have pushed down the price so much that you're taking a patient for $50 a day, and if they don't have the $50, you're taking him or her anyway. And after a while, you go, I don't see my family. I'm on 24 hours a day. I take my work home with me because I care. Why did I get into this? A lot of them end up on Wall Street. And you have six figures in debt for medical school. Yes, yeah. Unless, of course, you're, uh, you know, you're independently wealthy. A lot of them don't want to put in that type of work if you are. I want you to get to this story. This medical student... Allegedly sent home, I guess allegedly, but isn't this a fact, uh, for refusing to change a shirt. The shirt said this. Hold your ears. There are only two genders. Here's Liam Morrison talking about what happened in uh, Middleborough in Massachusetts. I was told that people were complaining about the words on my shirt, that my shirt was making some students feel unsafe. I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. When I nicely told them that I didn't want to do that, they called my father. Thankfully, my dad supported my, my decisions and came to pick me up. What did my shirt say? Five simple words. There are only two genders. Nothing harmful, nothing threatening. Just a statement I believe to be a fact. Yeah, and he shouldn't have to make it, but man, is that kid well-spoken? Uh, his comments were picked up, popular Twitter account. Uh, the student said not one person directly told him. They were bothered by the words, and the other students had told him they supported his actions. Marson told the committee he felt like the school was telling him it wasn't okay for him to have a, an opposing point of view and that he didn't go to school that day to hurt feelings or cause trouble. Your reaction? I think Vivek Ramaswamy should get him on the campaign trail with him after his performance on Meet the Press this weekend. Yeah, uh, I thought it was uh, yeah, it was 100% right. I mean, can you believe that a shirt like that would be – I would say in normal times, I'd say, why, would, why are you wasting your lettering? Why are you wasting a, what kind of messages? That of course we know that to be true. Next, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey says it all went south for Elon Musk after buying the social media giant. He said the timing was bad. He also believes that he's the wrong person to run it, but the board never should have forced him to buy it. Keep in mind, Dorsey is the co-founder of Twitter, and he was talking about Blue Sky, which can be a competitor of Twitter as it starts marching up and being sold. I don't know. He's trying to make it work. It only had. I didn't know this. Twitter only turned a profit one year before uh, Elon Musk got it. He's trying to make it work. He is, and people are, you know, giving him grief about, you know, having to pay for the blue check mark and other things. But, I mean, he's, from what I've read, the balance sheets are looking much better. It's still not profitable, but I think they're losing a lot less money. Cut two-thirds of the workforce, I'll tell you that. And the other thing about Elon Musk is what he exposed that was taking place prior really helped the country more than anything else, period. Now the FBI is going to be under scrutiny if they're going to put pressure on those other venues. Now Twitter is off the mark if they're going to put pressure on social media to take certain posts down that maybe make one candidate look too good and you can pretend as if he's a threat to the country. 
So, real quick, finally, Jacksonville, Florida, named the most forgetful city by Uber, as the company releases nationwide lost and found list, including unique items like lightsaber, fog machine, pets, fake blood, and teeth. Did you leave any of those in Uber when you were down there? You see. Yeah, I, I, I know I don't have a lightsaber, so I assume I left it in an Uber. You usually carry at least three right. at one time. But you know what I hate? Going out in the dark, middle of the night without my lightsaber. Or your teeth? Because I feel all my teeth. <laughs> uh, I mean, it doesn't say all the... It doesn't even say they're fake teeth in there. It just is teeth. It's a great angle for Uber. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.